At Midway USA, we know the AR-15 is one of the most popular rifles in modern American history. Known for its modularity and widespread use, it's often considered essential to any gun collection. The essential things you need to run an AR-15 are usually always in stock during shortages, things like magazines and 5.56 ammo. Whether you're looking to buy a new AR-15 or buy parts for your modern sporting rifle, log on and for just about everything for the outdoors, shop MidwayUSA.com. Boat Trader, America's largest boating marketplace, offering easy financing and over 100,000 boat listings to choose from. Sell, find, and finance new or used boats on America's largest boating marketplace. Visit BoatTrader.com to get started. You're listening to the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast, where when you can't be in the outdoors, we bring it to you. Welcome back to another episode of the Chasing Tales Outdoor Podcast. My name is Walt, his name is Chase, and then we have a special co-host right here that if you're listening to this on the audio waves, you have no idea who this is. <laughs> Sucks to be you. You're going to find out here in a little bit, but uh, we have lined up an absolute deer slaying fiend out of Florida, a part of Florida that I don't think you hear a whole lot about, a part of Florida that's heavily dependent, in my opinion, you might correct me, on today's topic, which is accessing whitetails. Now, this seems like a really weird thing in the offseason to be talking about, but in the state of Florida specifically, and in a lot of other states, your best hunts are very difficult to access. We're going to talk about the biggest mystery in the state of Florida. Chase, dude, how are you? Oh, I'm doing good, man. We uh, just got done recording our first uh, yakking for bass episode. Been out fishing, ripping lips, as uh, Walter Lee would say, after them uh, hydrilla gorillas, ditch pickles, whatever everybody calls uh, a bass. Uh, I've been uh, hard at it for probably the last two days, uh, trying to move up that uh, leaderboard and uh, maybe make uh, Nick Chandler uh, a little, make go out a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> One of my favorite things about this group, and by this group, I mean Chasing Tales, the family, the Patreon group that we have. Today's guest is a Patreon member. One of my favorite things about this group is that oftentimes we we find that people in the, in the group don't we don't all share the same passions or we're maybe we focus on different things and we've constantly influenced ourselves into doing stuff and tonight's guest was just telling us the first time we tried to record this we ran into a small technical snafu that we worked through but he was telling me that he doesn't bass fish but he was just out there trying to to rip some lips although he's waiting on his his bump board uh, but i think that's one of the coolest things about this group is like you know I would never consider go, going dog hunting most chances, but I'm probably going with his uncle this year. And, you know, uh, he doesn't bass fish, but here he is raising money for, for charity along with us. So without further ado, I've thoroughly buried uh, the lead on this. Uh, special guest, why don't you introduce yourself, man? Okay, my name is Michael Wallace. Um, everybody in the Patreon group calls me Split Shot. It's kind of a name that I picked up dog hunting, and that's where I got my hunting background. Uh, my dad would take me hunting by the time I was in diapers, I was loading up in the truck and going and, you know, changing my diapers out there on the side of the road in the wood while we hunted, you know, listening to the dogs. Now I just kind of grew into being a still hunter and a bow hunter. And like Walt said, I kind of gave up bass fishing. I used to do more of it. I used to go brim bust and everything when I was young. And, uh, I kind of gave up fishing to really pursue whitetails on a, on a better level is where I went. 
Okay, so how does your uncle Tutal reconcile? Does he claim you in the summer, given that you don't bass fish, and he's so fanatic about it? Does does he just oh. disown you during the summer, or what? He he's my he's my cousin. Just to clear that up, but uh, <laughs> so so he, he, uh, man, we're we're both pretty hardcore on deer hunting. Uh, he he likes his passions on on fishing. He's big into red fishing. And he likes to go bass fishing too. And he, he's kind of an all-around outdoorsman. I really just focus mostly on uh, what I can do here and here around the house. And I'm trying to get a little bit into some other places, but um, on traveling. But that's mostly what we do. We talk. We, we he always calls me, man. I'm, in the time of day, he calls me, and we talk about hunting. Yeah, you guys are the consummate Florida outdoorsmen. I mean, the guys that just follow season to season to season. Obviously, you know, you a little less so with the fishing uh, passion. But I-, I love the fact that in Florida, there's always something for us to do in the outdoors, even if it, you know, season specific or or year round pursuit. There's always something there for us to be doing. Um, and and uh, you still dog hunt, right? Yeah, I, I still go every now and again. Um, okay. I do. I, I go a couple times a year just because it is such a family, family oriented and friend oriented um, where you just build these connections. Some of those guys are like my family members. So I, I like to go out and see them. And when you were talking about being an outdoor state and everything, I would say this is probably one of the best states you can live in as far as outdoor opportunities. We have millions of acres to be able to hunt we have millions of waters to be able to fish and you can hit you can be hunting on the beach or you could be you know red fishing or bass fishing whatever there's so many opportunities to be in the woods we've got two different kinds of turkeys to hunt just in the state so we have a lot of opportunity now you predominantly gave up dog hunting because it's cheating that's what i remember right and that what you said that is too not, good. <laughs> it's probably harder to kill a deer dog hunting than still hunting. I, no, i'm calling i'm calling bs on that because you and your uncle every during deer season if it is gun season and my polo goes off i i dread opening it because not because i dread you guys success but it's like i want to be in the outdoors and it's either you or or florida man or your uncle uh, cousin sorry your cousin like loaded them up today boys and there's like six dead i'm being silly it's like one or two dead deer you know but it's just like they, they had, man that is, our hunting group had a just a phenomenal year i've never yeah. i'm like a, i grew up hunting and i have never seen them shoot that many deer out uh, between everybody in the group so they killed some really nice deer this year and they they got a really good number of it and some of the groups around it talking to them i work with some guys that hunt out there with them and they didn't have the, near the success yeah no they definitely had a banner year this year i was hoping that wasn't the norm because otherwise this season was just going to drag <laughs> no, that's about that's about twice as many as normally got out of the, out of the group you know wow and that, yeah they've, they've got about a dozen guys that go out there pretty religiously and go hunt so they get a lot of opportunity as well Oh yeah. You, you, go ahead, Chase. Oh, I was just going to say, it seems like the dog hunters are out there every day possible from the moment the season starts till the season's over. Uh, they're always running dogs. Uh, I know a group that they leave for like a month to go somewhere, uh, dog hunting. It's a lot of retired guys, uh, obviously, yeah. but th- I mean, they are out there every single day getting after it. And that, that's something about it, too, is it's a it's an older generation kind of thing. And there's not a lot of young guys that are doing it. Um, 
but you know it's something for me it brought me into a sport that I absolutely just love and it's it's a major part of my life and I would say I tell everybody I say I love the dogs and running dogs before I ever fell in love with hunting like if you just set me in a tree stand when I was 10 years old, I would have probably been like, no, man, I'm rather going to do something that we can, we can be interactive with. But whenever you have a chance as a kid to go, you know, be a part of hunting and I got to see sun, I got to walk in the woods and watch dogs work. And it is just a beautiful sport that sometimes gets misunderstood. And, you know, it's not for everybody, but uh, the guys that do it are passionate about it. And there's some few bad apples that kind of, put a bad name on some of the really good honors that are a part of that that sport and hopefully one that some new guys will get into it and bring it to a better light and keep it going for more years yeah you know my, uh go ahead buddy say my wife uh her dad used to dog hunt with all of her uncles and everything back in the day and she still has a bunch of good memories from just being out there as a kid uh with all the other kids having a good time and uh, them just getting together as a family on the weekends and uh, going out dog hunting. But all of them have basically just hung it up uh, over the last probably decade or so, and they don't dog hunt anymore. But even her, who's a non-hunter, still has uh, good family memories from being out there, being in the woods uh, with a family and uh, doing the dog hunting thing. Probably because Tutal's killing all the deer. Just wasn't <laughs> – just, just wasn't. <laughs> wasn't worth their time anymore chase <laughs> different different county <laughs> don't tell me don't far. tell me I, hey listen there's not a place of this state that is safe from that man it was like a tuesday afternoon he was like hey man i'm headed up to your house i'll be hunting right down the street from you if you want to come and run dogs with me i'm like dude this is a tuesday afternoon he's like i'm coming i'm like okay <laughs> <laughs> nice yeah we try to make the most out of our opportunity all year wherever yeah. that may be it blew my mind, man. Y'all, it, you know, through talking to you, it's no secret. I, I had a less than stellar opinion of dog hunters prior to moving to Florida. I had a lot of really bad encounters in Southeast Georgia. And between you and a couple other people, it's clear to me that those encounters don't speak for, you know, the masses. And to see y'all's passion that y'all put into these things, man, it's just it's crazy. Like you guys are fanatical about it. Like the, the, the two talls, you know, he's, he's out there looking for his dogs cause they get out of his cage. And he's like panicked, Like he is losing his mind cause he can't find these dogs. And it's like, man, that is not the way that I thought people felt about dog hunters and this, you know, as, as or for their dogs, uh, like you do, you know, I know bird hunters do, but I just had this stereotype in my head through these bad encounters that I had that was completely unjust and hearing you and two tall talk about it, man, it's just like, I kind of wish I had had that deer camp feel myself growing up because I feel like you guys got a hold of something that the rest of us aren't lucky enough to have your wife included chase. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. The, you got to think like, shoot, they put a couple thousand dollars worth of collars on these dogs to make sure that, you know, they're taken care of and that they're not going to be somewhere that they're going to be in danger. Um, trying to put them out by a highway or something like that so sure. we have a lot of stock in it and that's that's your hunting season right there for a lot of these guys uh i hunted with people that's the only way that they hunted they didn't still hunt at all they loved to dog hunt and they loved the camaraderie of it and you know i i remember so many i could tell you a lot of stories about the guys being out of camp and or having cookouts on the side of the road while we were out hunting man it was just a blast and just a like i said those are those are like my family 
And, you know, I wouldn't trade them for the world. They're, they're people that you have a connection with and you always will. You, you can always talk to them about, you know, about that, that dog hunting or about dogs or whatever, you know, but you always have those, those special people in your life. And a lot of mine are from dog hunting and so, my dog, you know, having that relationship with a, with a dog. I got one that, uh, I really hit, hit, hit a home run with when I picked him up and, uh, you know, you, you just have a love for them and a passion to go out and see them. And some of my best memories hunting and the biggest accomplishments that I had were uh, being able to harvest deer in front of my dog and get my dog trained and teach him how to trail deer. You know, that was I, I would put that above any big buck I've ever killed and put on the wall. Well, speaking of big bucks on the wall, both those ones behind you and maybe it looks like there's one hiding off to the side there. You know, oh, yeah. <laughs> are those uh, are those all deer dogs? Um, the one that's right above my head right here, that's a Texas deer. I shot him when I was young. The one on my left over here is a archery buck. And this one's actually my wife's that came with a muzzle loader. And I've got one more on the way. That was an archery. Buck. So all my big bucks have come from still hunting and my wife just bringing beginners luck. That was her very first year. Ended up scoring <laughs> 115 inches. So <laughs> she's got the big buck on the wall. And I'm really jealous. I'm going to hunt really hard to try to beat that one. <laughs> it sounds like she might be related to Chase with the luck she's bringing to the table there. Yeah, she got that golden horse. Yeah. Boy, I'm be. telling you. Golly. That's that's crazy, man. I, I don't have anything that cool on the wall. But I'm hoping one day I can be like you and Chase and your wife and, and uh, you know, start adding things like that. I just don't know that I've got the discipline, man. I don't know that I've got what it takes in this state to pass up enough small deer or even find the big deer like you guys do. Well, even when she shot that big one, uh, she had passed up on two deer and like I said, she was one that she, she was trying to shoot her first deer. So I put her in a really good spot. We had a good quota permit and, uh, we were, we were, she, she passed, uh, I think a four point and a five point. She passed a five point that morning before she shot this one. And she just felt like, you know, God had something better for her. And then this nine point come out and she was able to harvest that for her very first buck or very, very first deer. And that's the only one that she shot, but she put a lot of work into it and hunted, hunted really hard. She put some all day sits in prior to that and didn't really see a whole lot. And then we were able to draw this really good permit and got her in a good spot. And she put the patience and the hard work into doing it. So she was able to harvest a really fine buck for her first deer. Well, that, that brings me to two immediate thoughts. One, uh, will you ask your wife to pray for me? Because she's obviously got a connection with God that I don't have because I've said many a deer stand prayer before. Uh, but also, what an apt segue. Thank you. Have, you. have you done this before? Is this truly your first podcast? Because I feel like I am you just... not an expert podcaster, but I have listened to a lot of podcasts. <laughs> <laughs> you stayed in a Days End uh, uh, Express before. How'd that commercial used to go? A Days End Express. There it is. Stayed at Holiday Express last night. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> well, today's topic, uh, it, now that we've thoroughly, thoroughly get, let the cat out of the bag, is going to be quota hunts. Uh, in this state, uh, quota hunts are, I think, absolutely paramount to really good hunting. There's, there's, there's good hunting to be had throughout all the state. But it feels like the more I go on in pursuit of whitetails in the state, that quota hunts are absolutely like paramount. Like they are the they are the bee's knees. They are the way that you're going to you know secure your season. So before we get into that, I've got a question for you. 
Now we're going to take your wife's story out of this because you've already, you've already told half that story. What's your favorite quota hunt story that you have? Probably my, man, we have, we've had some really good hunts, but uh, probably the one that I'm the most proud of is two years ago. Well, leading off of my wife's story, too tall and my wife both harvested um, registry bucks in the same year the year prior to me shooting, you know, my best buck. And uh, whenever they did that, it lit a slap fire in me where that's when I stopped bass fishing. And I, I was just focused. My wife got sick of me talking about hunting. And every, <laughs> every waking moment that I had to get away from my family, I would spend scouting and looking for spots. And, you know, I just, that's all I, I did. I lived, eat, breathed hunting for that entire year. And uh, I ended up drawing a quota permit on a reissue, and we can get into that later about how to get oh, yeah. those. But uh, I ended up walking in there on the first day, and I'd I'd hunted on this place before, but I walked in there and I kind of wanted to save a spot because my little cousin was coming with me, and uh, he was gonna he wasn't gonna be able to get out of school until the next day. So I was trying to save the spot where we had taken this other buck at for him to go hunt. And I walked in blindly, just kind of freestyle hunting and went in and found a spot and I hunted till about nine o'clock in a place. And I didn't really think it was what I wanted to be in. So I got down and started just scouting and walking the, walking the property and looking for what I wanted to find. And I set up for lunchtime and was, uh, do a little bit of calling and stuff and just sitting there eating my lunch and kind of hanging out that day. And I heard a deer behind me i look back and there's a spike he's running down that this transition line and i see him kind of like start getting frisky so he starts chasing this doe well does jump up and they take off and out of the nowhere i see this big buck he's uh running and grunting you know every step running and uh, i see him take off and i wasn't able to get a shot at him he was running and he was just too far and so I got down and I passed on the spike. The spike ended up, I grunted him over there to me. And I got down about probably two third, about two o'clock or so. And I was like, I, I know that deer didn't go very far. He was going to push that doe and it's to a thicket and try to breed her. So I got down and just started really using the wind and trying to keep my sound down and just crawled up into a spot where I thought he might come on look for another doe and he ended up working that transition line about six o'clock that night and i shot him at 20 yards and folded he went about 30 yards after i shot him and folded up and i watched the biggest buck i was able to harvest to date um fold up i haven't got him officially registered he's still at the taxidermist right now but and man I, I couldn't have been more proud of that hunt it was putting a lot of stuff that i listened to on podcast and just putting a lot of passion and getting really serious about deer hunting because I've been hunting for that, you know, hundred inch deer for a long time. And that's probably the, probably my favorite like individual memory of a quota hunt. Now you said you'd listened to all of the chasing tails, deer hunting episodes. Chasing tails, man, is awesome. <laughs> this is where you get all the good information. If you join Patreon, it's even better. <laughs> Yeah, this isn't your first podcast, but I, I, I'm loving it either which way. <laughs> Dude, you know, hunting opportunities in this state are always so, uh, 
what's the word I want to use for this? God, I don't want to sound like a Debbie. De- the hunting opportunities in the state can be kind of limited, you know, and, and those quota hunt opportunities, you know, they kind of, they're seen with a certain light. You know, you only have three days, you only have four days and you don't know if you're going to get drawn uh, ever. You know, it's, it's, no one knows how the system works. You know, no one knows if there's actually a system or if it's just, you know, sheer randomness and, but, but getting those quotas can be so good in 2020. I got a, a, a real good quota uh, that the, the year before I had put a trail camera out. I got all these great deer photos. I knew when the rut was. I knew when they were breeding. I put in for that time period, and I shot a really great eight point. It's not a hundred and something inch eight point, but I can tell you right now, every day, first and last tag, uh, and I get five of them in this state. I'm pulling the trigger on that deer. It's a great deer, and I'm firmly convinced that it had everything to do with the fact that that, that area doesn't get pressured the way that uh, all the other local areas do. Yeah. Um, on these quota permits, it's really about timing. I would say everything about deer hunting is timing. And, but on these quota permits, you can hunt properties that don't have near the pressure. And, you know, when it, you guys know what it's like to hunt the national forest and you go out there and you can't find a, a tree that doesn't have flagging tape next to it. It's, it's hard to find any trails or, anywhere to hunt but you can go on these quota hunts and you get you you get a better set of hunters like you have a different style of hunters people that kind of respect the game um and they respect each other i've met a lot of people just you know going on these quota hunts and being like hey man i'm gonna hunt in here you know i got here first but you know we can work something out like you know stuff like that has always been really good for me and you just meet really cool people and you do get a really good opportunities and deer have a chance to grow. And sometimes they're next to the right property or, you know, it might be the right place or at the right time. So these quota hunts really elevate your opportunity. And that's the way that I shoot a lot of my deer is by just getting on these quota hunts and picking them at the right time and learning. And it, it wasn't an easy process to do. Um, because I didn't really have a, a good mentor. It was something that I had to learn on my own, but you know, hopefully today we can go and help other people kind of figure the system out because it, it is a system and there's some difficulties to it. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But uh, once you figure it out, man, you could, you could get a hunt every year and at least one hunt, you know, and, and a decent one. And hopefully you can make the best of that opportunity. Chase, I think one of your best hunts came off of a, a, a quota hunt that was what two years ago three years ago oh uh, yeah 2019 yeah uh, God, was a quota hunt. yeah yeah i got fortunate on that quota hunt because i hunted that two years prior which was during hurricane irma and there was a lot of trees down i mean just the, the hunting that week was not good and i believe the state of florida ended up giving everybody their preference points back uh during that time because wow. when I logged back on, I had, I had all of my preference points the next year. I was supposed to draw it the next year, couldn't hunt. So I turned it back in and then put it again. So I had a ton of preference points uh, going into that year and I drew that hunt. Um, and it was on a, a, a three-day quota hunt. Um, and some of these quotas, it's, and I believe a lot of them, the reason that their quota is, like I said, there's good, there's good deer there, but some of them are just small. Some of them are small tracks and there's no way they'd be able to withstand 
uh, walk on the entire mm-hmm. season. Um, and some of them have a great location. They, but like uh, split shot said, they, they butt up to uh, private land that's managed really well. And there's a chance that one of those deer could come slipping through uh, with a doe. And I'm pretty sure that's what happened uh, with my quota hunt because the, some of the private landowners were sending me game camera pictures of the buck that uh, I shot <laughs> uh, that <laughs> season, uh, probably like two weeks prior. And it was probably, uh, probably about a mile or so from where uh, they had the pictures uh, where, where I ended up killing the deer. But yeah, there's a lot of good uh, opportunities for uh, quotas. And I mean, I'm not familiar with the entire state. I'm more familiar with uh, my area on quotas. And there was times where I just didn't put in for quotas. Um, and I don't know why I should have just been putting in to gather the points, uh, if yeah. anything, because there's one that I've been trying to get in the last few years, which it takes like eight or nine points apparently <laughs> to get into from what I've been told. And if I would have been putting in those years for, for I was always kind of putting in for archery and stuff, but just not yeah. necessarily muzzleloader, general gun, uh, those quotas. And uh, I've been doing it the last few years, but uh, I, I'm behind the eight ball uh, on that. And like split shot, I meant like the reissues, things like that. I started getting diligent with the reissues and putting in uh, for those, even though I know the chances aren't super high, but that reissue uh, helps you out because it don't count against you at all in any of those in the preference points or the draw or anything like that. So you, you got to be watching those uh, reissues every week um, getting on because there'll be one pop up here, two maybe pop up. It's, it's amazing to me the amount of people that kind of give up their, their quotas, but I know life happens yeah. uh, for people and maybe they're just like, ah, yeah, well, I'm, or maybe they're just looking at is, oh, I scouted it. It doesn't look good this year or something. And they're giving it up to maybe go hunt it the, the next year or something. I know there's, People have all kinds of plans and even people that are not planning on hunting at all, but still put in for the quota that takes eight or nine points to get to put it up for a a reissue uh, that year. But yeah, yeah. If we dive into it, I mean, there's all kinds of different tactics that people that I use. I know split shot is heavy into them redraws and he's i think he's got the golden horseshoe on the redraws because he's always always getting redraws the one we were talking about last year i drew that one oh yeah and i put i mean i put in for that thing all my buddies were putting in for that thing i mean it was ridiculous about it so i don't my luck on now my luck must just go other places because for redraws it just it hey, generally Jason, doesn't if happen trade, if i could trade the reissue the golden horseshoe <laughs> i would definitely take the big one <laughs> <laughs> i guess i gotta give up something <laughs> yeah <laughs> I, for the record i'm with split shot on this <laughs> wholeheartedly Wholeheart- so i Let's back this whole conversation up because we kind of jumped, we jumped a little bit ahead there. And I, I know we've got a lot of listeners that are new to hunting. They're new to Florida. And I know there's a lot of people who rely on us for Florida specific content. This is kind of, and not kind of, this is a Florida specific episode. Let's talk a little bit about the quota system and how it functions because the reissue thing is something that when I first jumped into this really boggled my mind. The idea that you could, potentially get a quota permit outside of a quota system 
uh, or the initial uh, drawing blew my mind. And so if you're listening to this for the first time, I'm just going to give you a brief little overview. There is a initial application period that's open right now. As you're listening to this episode, it is open right now. It will come to a close in the, in the next couple of weeks. And you can, in that time period, earn a preference point. This is the only time period you can earn a preference point. And you can put in for every phase and every form of hunting along that. So uh, if you want to do a family hunt where you have to take a, a youth hunter with you, if you want to do a gun and muzzle it or an archery, you can put in a quota application for each of those periods. It's free. It uh, doesn't require, you don't have to have any kind of hunting license to do it. I don't believe split shot or chase can you correct me on that is that true you have to have a management permit um that's the only thing it's like 26 dollars or something i believe to be able to apply uh, so that's that's the only restriction that you have other than that and, and i'm not even sure if that applies to some of like the uh like the hunting reserves or or wildlife refuge i'm not sure if that applies i, do, I know it does for uh your normal quota permits like your archeries and muzzleloaders and stuff gotcha okay so i stand corrected you have to have a, a 30 dollar permit i mean you right. it's there's no obstacle there uh and you can put in your top five choices now uh, we're going to get into this a little bit i have no earthly idea how those come into play i'm going to share how i've been told by uh fwc which kind of conflicts with what a lot of other people have been told as well we're going to do our best to give you this information and for the record i have actually sent fwc an email with very specific questions regarding these things and, and whenever i get a response if i get a response i'll provide you guys with an update on that as well uh but uh you put in that initial draw applica uh, application the draw comes in either you made it or you didn't if you didn't you get a point for that style of of, of application then like Chase said, people can voluntarily return anything if uh, they don't like it or they can't make it. There's no rhyme or reason. You can just return them. And then in the coming weeks, on a weekly basis, you can put in an application and apply for whatever's left over. Um, it's a really cool system because the entirety of the season, you're kind of like – checking every week my routine is every monday morning i jump on at work and the first thing i do before i even start working is i just put in an application for the different places i want to hunt and you can have seasons where you're just drawing things left and right and then you can have dry spells like last year so uh, i just kind of wanted to put that out there as a baseline foundation for this conversation if you hear us say reissue we're talking about after that initial period and if you're you know otherwise you, you know where you stand um do you guys have any idea? Has, has anybody ever uh, talked to FWC about how the application process, the selection works, like the one through five? So what goes on with that is uh, I'll just break the whole thing down real quick. Go um, for it. And phase one, phase one is the only um, phase where you're able to receive a preference point. And if you don't get drawn in phase one, then you can enter into phase two but anybody who drew a permit in phase one will not be able to be in the lottery for phase two. Phase two is 100% lottery on a, on, on a draw. So whatever was left over from phase one that didn't have somebody draw that permit will be available in phase two. And then it goes into a hundred percent lottery. There's no weighted points on that one. And whatever, doesn't get drawn and phase two goes into phase three which is a leftover first come first serve so whenever phase three opens up and there's going to be hunts that are available uh i wouldn't even say all those hunts were bad hunts sometimes it's just 
that there's like Chase was talking about, they're really big properties and they have more quota permits available and they just don't fill them out. Um, the way that your, your choice selection goes, if you want to hunt a certain WMA and you know, it's going to be a hard one to hunt and you put that one out your on the top of your list. Right. And if you have one that's maybe like a, an easier one to get, and if you put it on there, so if you put it on like that second or third, those are going to come up. So if you don't hit on the first one, like as far as the lottery goes in phase one, and you don't get that permit, then they you get entered into the next drawing as well. And you have a chance to be drawn in that. So if you're holding out, like say you want to hold out and have nine points like chase and you apply for one that you could get with two points and you put that on your list even though it's fourth or fifth on your list then you will get drawn for that one and they will take all your points so what i do as a strategy uh is i only put in for places that are like top tier for me i kind of break them down these are either top tier like i want to hunt these and I'm going to apply for them in phase one and earn points, or I will wait, which would be like a medium kind of tier. Uh, there's places that I would say are in that medium tier that are still good hunts, but they have more permits and it's a little easier to get a hold of a reissue or I might be able to catch in second phase. And then there are places that are, you know, Hey, I need somewhere to go hunt and I could catch these on third phase or, and a reissue draw really easy like uh i'll just throw this one out there the ocala national forest has a permit that you have to have for uh the pipeline to be able to dog hunt i never apply for that hunt until phase three you know because i don't want to burn my chance to be able to get a good hunt sure. uh, on something that i could pick up super easy it's not an issue ever getting uh and I'm not trying to burn a WMA. That one just gets so much pressure and there's so many points. So uh, if anybody wants to hunt, No one dog hunts well, anyways. I mean. You're, yeah, you're welcome to go try to kill a deer in the Ocala National Forest. Good luck to you. But yeah. that's kind of how, that, that's that's the way that those are broke down. And uh, that, that that's my personal strategy. If you were a guy who maybe has a, has a good place to hunt all the time, like a piece of private property or you like to travel out of state or something and you're not going to do a whole lot of hunting in Florida, save your points for a hunt that you know that's going to hit. Uh, just save it. You don't want to burn your points up on something that you could hunt anytime, you know? Uh, and there's some really good opportunities for people who aren't um, drawing quotas if you're if you're a bow hunter a lot of these places are open for bow hunts you can get on a good wma bow hunting without a permit if there's a there's a thing too that i want to mention really quick is exemptions there are people that do not have to draw quota permits for some of these places there's muzzleloader hunts um gun hunts where if you are under 16 or if you're over 65 uh, if you're stationed out of state and the armed forces and you come in for a certain amount of time, you are able to hunt some of these places without a quota permit where, you know, the regular guy mm -hmm. that's a hunter, he's going to have to draw a quota permit for it. And those are on kind of like your mid tier places, but that's a good opportunity for people who want to hunt 
to be able to go is look at your archery season and make sure you're looking at your exemptions too, to be able to, like, if you want to get a kid out there to hunt or something. Yeah, I know first phase, you're talking about first phase is I put in for the one I want first phase, uh, the, the particular management area that I'm trying to get, whether it's, if I'm trying to draw archery, then I'm that first week is number one, maybe the second week's number two, third week's number three. And then I put in for nothing else because I don't want to burn a preference point on, like you mentioned, some of the ones that you could possibly draw on a reissue or are super easy to get almost every year. Some people can put in for certain ones and they draw every year for that one or every other year. Uh, so I, that's all I do for phase one is just the one that I want, the strict one that I want, I put in for that one. And then I worry about the other ones for reissues after that. And I would say that's the biggest um, people where, where people have an issue with the quota system is they just don't understand it um, because it, it can be kind of a daunting task to try to figure this stuff out. But uh, all of this information is stuff that you can get off of the website. It just takes time to read it and kind of understand it. But, you know, once you kind of learn, which hunts are which and, and i get that from you know just talking to buddies um like we were talking about in the patreon group you know we, we have guys all over the state so if you're wanting to hunt a section of the state there might be somebody in the group that you know has hunted that or maybe on a facebook page that's hunted and you can be like oh man you drew that permit oh i've been trying to get that how many points did it take and whenever you know how many points it is or you you see it and, and a phase that you know you can get it the year after, then you want to check it. And, and another thing I wanted to say is, make, man, timing is everything on deer hunting. You might have a quality place to hunt, but if it's in the wrong time, it can be really difficult to kill a deer. Uh, I know I had, had, a, had a really high quality place um, to be able to hunt, but within a week or two, if you hit it on the wrong week, even though it's the same archery hunt, that might be the difference between seeing several big bucks and the difference of, you know, struggling to find a deer just because of, you know, temperatures and, you know, it's not during the rut or it's not during free rut. So those are important things to keep in mind whenever you're applying. Yeah. And a lot of people kind of have like, or have like the buddy system as well. So if you, if you, you can take a guest in a lot of these quota areas, and, and that's a, another if you can just track. hit it where it's every other year or whatever, if you got a buddy where it's like, he drew this year, you're going to his guest. Make sure you draw your, and so forth and so forth. You can draw more of these quota hunts if you kind of view it as like a team thing as opposed to just a single <laughs> person. Right. That, that's something that I do. Um, you know, my wife is not a big hunter. She, she does go with me, and I love that she goes. But uh, – that's something that I do. Like whenever we draw a good hunt, I tell her, I said, look, this is a good hunt. This takes a couple of years to get, uh, let's go hunt it. And she is always on board. Um, I take my little cousin, I, we, we work as a team to be able to go hunt places too tall. And I work together to be able to hunt. So pick out a partner that will go with you and, and hunt. And most of these places, uh, you can, you can take a guest with you on pretty much all the quota permits there are some special opportunity hunts that are individual hunts only. And if you want to hunt with people, you can also apply as a group. And the way the group works is if you've got, I think it's up to five, five members in a group and whoever the group leader is, will you know, initiate where you want to go. And what happens then is you get a group number 
and you send that out to all your buddies that you want in the group. And what it is, is you build points as a group. So uh, if you have a guy in the group that's got four preference points and you ask a new guy to come along, they, they draw your group off of whoever has the least amount of points. So if you get a new guy in that only has one point, then that drops your whole group down to one point. And, but that's, that's a way, if you want to hunt with a big group of guys, um, like we were talking about camaraderie, camaraderie, and you want to hunt with a big group of guys, look into the group hunts. Um, if you're more of an individual guy, you can do these special opportunity hunts, which are, you, you pay $5 for an application and then you pay a small fee, um, to be able to hunt. And they're, you know, vary from how long you can hunt on them. But, uh, those are individual hunts, but they are transferable. And by transferable, uh, what I mean is you can just hand your permit to somebody, they sign the page and they're able to go hunt on that hunt, but only one person can go at a time. And your normal quota permits, uh, like your archery permit is not transferable. So whenever you draw it, like you either use it or you lose it. So that's why they kind of came up with this whole reissue thing is so people are able to go hunt, even if they're not able to make it, somebody else might be able to go. There's a lot of really great information packed into that little bit right there. I feel like I ought to turn that into like a little podcast highlight, like that little five minute section he just did. Cause split shot just gave you the keys to success chase and split shot the, the buddy tag permit, man, I'll be honest with you. I even try and, and team with other people. So like Craig, Craig's my WMA. I'm not going to name on a podcast buddy. And if I draw, (laughs) (laughs) if I draw that WMA tag, then he gets, you know, the first invite for my, for my guest tags and vice versa. And so I've got other WMAs that are like that. And when you spread it out and you're in, you're applying for these different ones, the odds that you're both going to draw the same one, pretty slim. The odds that each of you could draw a different one, a little higher. And the idea is, you know, the more people that are applying for those and you can always return them if you have a, a buddy tag. And so, uh, I think that's what happens is I think people have that same logic. They're like, well, I've got the buddy tag. We're all going to apply for this WMA. And then five out of the out of the six guys draw it. And like, well, we don't need them all. And so they, they kick back a couple. And, and you know, they, they, you know, most people don't just open, you know, the invite to hunt with anybody. You know, you're not just because you have a buddy, you're not throwing it out to just anybody who, you, you know, you want to take to that WMA. So, you know, the seasons of drought, you know, I the way I was explained – is that when you're in your priority list, they're drawing out of a pot for the hunter. And when they get the hunter, they go down the list of what WMAs are available and still have things. Splish out. Was that what you were trying to articulate earlier or? Um, yeah. What happens is your, your name goes whenever they come up to a, to a WMA and uh-huh. uh, your name is in that lottery. So if you're on first, if it's your first choice, then you have a higher ranking of getting that. But your your point system is what's going to weight that most uh, is is the most important thing on your weight. So, like if you're trying to get a really good hunt and you've got no points, then your weight's not very high to be able to be drawn. Is I believe how that works. That part I'm not 100 percent sure on, uh, but I'm I'm thinking that's how it works because they're not really they're not real clear on that as yeah. far as in the regulations, but. I do know, like if you if you put a if you put one on your list, 
then you, you're going to be entered into it. And if you have enough points to draw it, even though that might not be a hunt that you want to go on, you will draw it. But if you do draw it like in first phase and you still like you're, you're saying, Hey, I got this crappy hunt and I didn't really mean to do it. You can always send that back and get your point back for the first phase. That's where the reissues really come in handy because you're able to receive your point back and use it for the next year, even if you're not able to go or it's not a place that you want to go. So that was something used to, it wasn't like that, it, you know, several years back that wasn't in place and, you know, people make mistakes and you lose points. And I was one of those people. So <laughs> it, it happens, you know, but it's all a learning process. Yeah. So in addition to staggering them, you know, try and pick things up on the, on the reissue, all those things. One of the things that I've noticed is some of the best hunts, Florida has a propensity of picking a weapon type that they really like to give the rut. It seems like the muzzleloader hunt for most WMAs is like the mwah, creme de la creme. It's split shot smiling. I'm guaranteeing you <laughs> he's hoping I edit that out. Yeah, let's not tell everybody about that. <laughs> um, to be honest with you, the muzzleloader normally on most of them is going to hit. Uh, I wouldn't say that's a statewide. No, I definitely would say, not. I would say up there, um, you know, and in, in, in the northern part of the state, you know, you, <laughs> you would look at your gun hunts. Um, and I, as far as South Florida, I'm not 100% sure what would where I would even hunt on that. I would say archery maybe, but I've never hunted yeah. South Florida, so I, I can't really speak a whole lot on that. But as far as where I'm at here in the center of the state, your muzzleloader hunts are typically going to be your better hunts. But the thing about them is a lot of the WMAs are quota permits only. So you're everybody's applying for these muzzleloaders as because they're just limited. There's only so many hunts. There's normally only one hunt for a muzzleloader. And, you know, some of these muzzleloaders, I know the one that I like to put in for is like four or five points to be able to get it. And, you know, sometimes you don't want to wait that long. You want to be able to hunt sooner. It's kind of like my, my, my way of thinking is I can get a hunt that's you know good hunt on three years and that's normally what it takes me to draw one is about three years yeah well the thing is is you want to make sure you kind of you read the brochures for that wma because you could look at you like oh i've been putting in for this one for three or four years well they only let five people hunt that specific wma so chances aren't super high whereas some wmas it could be up to 200 or whatever it is so right. if, if you're not looking at oh what are the numbers uh, some of them are 15. You're like, okay, so uh, there's 15 people that they give this out to. And they, they never, which I wish they did, is that I wish they gave you, okay, how many people put in for this quota hunt? Like, what are my odds of drawing this quota hunt? Is it one in a thousand? Is it one in 25? Uh, there's really no way to know on what your odds are of drawing any of the hunts other than talking to people, like you mentioned, and going, okay, I talked to this person that hunted this one. They said they had eight preference points uh, and their wife got into this one as well. And she had nine preference points. So to me, it sounds like, okay, I need probably eight or nine preference points to get into this WMA, which may be the case, maybe not. But I know a lot of people that had five or six didn't get into it. Um, and that's really the only kind of like word of mouth stuff that we have to go by on like, what are your odds of actually drawing a specific hunt? 
Yeah, in the state of Georgia, like they they release all of what you need to know. Uh, Walt's probably over there about to have a stroke, but they let you know on these photos um, how many points they took to draw their previous year. If the, I think they would clear up a lot of the issues in the state of Florida if they would allow us to uh, just kind of be open about how many points it took the previous year or how many points it may take. But I, and I don't know why they're not transparent about that. It, it like I said, it would clear up a lot of issues and make people feel like they weren't being, you know, so, so mishandled as far as, you know, being looked at on these quota hunts. Right. I was the same way. I mean, you can look at Iowa and it tells you exactly how many people with the number of preference points drew that particular tag. Um, so I don't know. It'd be nice. You know, yeah, I, I, I you know, I was I was angry with you with the whole like the, what you just said about Georgia, but I feel like now that I threw your muzzle at her secret out there, I, I just <laughs> I feel like that might back. be. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. <laughs> you know who else is really upset with me? Cole. Cole is losing his mind right now. The only thing I could have done is like name dropped his favorite W made a muzzle loader hunt, and he would have just like <laughs> straight burned the podcast to the ground. <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> I think I do, but I kind of wonder if that what we're t- what I just touched on though the secrecy. I kind of wonder if they're keeping that under tabs because they're worried about point creep. You know, I think if everything's speculative and no one really knows precisely what they're doing, then you can't really target WMAs. But let's say that you know uh, WMA A. This, this isn't a WMA or a quota hunt, so we'll just call it this. Let's say Apalachicola, which doesn't have a quota hunt. Um, says uh, it takes two points to enter, and everybody thinks it's four or five. Well, then suddenly do more people apply because in the early years they can grab it, but then that point creep starts to hit four or five, and you start having this concentrated pressure on Debbie Mays. Do you think that might be why they're they're kind of keeping everything a lid on everything? or Maybe. I don't know. The, the system – uh, I work through the flaws and try to make it work for me. I almost kind of hate coming on here to tell everybody about it. <laughs> it's been working for me. Uh, I mean, the best thing I could tell you is take your buddy with you. I take new hunters with me to try to get points, man. I'll do whatever it takes to get on the place. <laughs> I mean, the only thing I can see about the points is you could go like a newbie could go in and go, okay, this is probably the best WMA to hunt in the state of Florida because it takes nine preference points to be able to hunt well or it's just a heavy sought after one but but a lot of people aren't willing to wait nine years if you don't have anywhere to hunt then you you may want to look at if you're just trying to kill a deer then you may look into these ones okay i can draw this one and the the odds are are really good at uh, me harvesting an animal so it all depends on what your goals are as well we're talking about like a lot of this is like we're trophy hunters and you should be trying to get into one that's seven eight or saving yeah. your points and this that and the other but if you're a new hunter then you might as well go for one to, that you can get in that year and not have to wait three or four years to be able to, right. to so much of it's based on your goals if you're just a guy that wants to go hunt and be able to harvest a deer there is a lot a lot of a lot of opportunities to be able to hunt in this state like i said i think within just an hour of my house there's close to a million acres to be able to hunt uh not all of them are quota hunts so and a lot of them are open for bow season like i said some of them are even open for muzzleloader and there's just a lot of opportunity to be had and it, it depends on your goals if 
like I said, if I was a guy that had some primo property to be able to hunt, uh, I would put in for really good places and I wouldn't worry about hunting like these other places. If I was somebody like me, um, I'm trying to hunt wherever I can hunt. And I, uh, I, t- I take advantage of what's, what's available for me to be able to do. Uh, that kind of brings up a, another uh, option to be able to do is there's some recreational permits to be able to be had for a, you know, a price. It's kind of like having your own public, you know, lease with some guys and what the state does on these recreational uses is uh, they work with private, uh, private landowners and they set up a, a fee for hunters to be able to come in and you have limited amount of hunters at that point. It's almost like a quota permit because uh, you have to be drawn every so often to be in it and then you pay your you pay your license fee for that year or lease fee for that year kind of like how i look at it and uh you're able to be able to hunt at for for that that year you don't have to worry about a spring turkey or you mm-hmm. know uh, for having an archery permit you've got somewhere to go and that's that that's something that i personally do um but not everybody can afford stuff like that. I understand, but there's, there, there's other options too, to be able to be on good, good properties in the state. Like I was talking about those special opportunity hunts, uh, where you pay a fee and be able to get a couple day hunt and you can have, you know, high quality hunts on that. If you just, you know, you have to really do your research and try to pick the right time in the hunt and the method that you want to hunt with. But, we have we have a lot of opportunity in the state to be able to do it. It's just trying to learn the system to be able to get on those uh, better properties or you know places where you don't have so much pressure. So let's talk about this. Some of these WMAs take a long time to draw, and you're given two or three days to hunt them. How does that impact how you approach scouting? Because if it do you scout these places as if you intend to draw them every year or? Uh, do you only scout them the season, you know, you get drawn? Because if it's, if it's a reissue, you don't know until like, you know, three, four days before the hunt. And and that happened to me last year was um, I drew the one, you know, the one that we were talking about was a really high quality one. Took a lot of points. I felt like I won the lottery, like, you know, the million dollar lottery here. And, uh, but on that one, I was just kind of shorthanded. I had to do a lot of summer scouting, but the way that I handle it, I put a lot of eggs in that basket to be able to get on, you know, a big buck. And I just went and traversed that land really hard because I knew that was my, you know, prime opportunity to take a large, you know, a large whitetail or a registry whitetail was my goal. And on that hunt, I was able to, you know, I kind of pinpointed, I knew it was going to be when we were hunting and I just kind of pinpointed on what I knew that rut spot was going to be or where might, might, what might be a hot spot during the rut. And, you know, I look at rubs and, you know, scrapes or whatever I could find from the previous year. Sometimes those scrapes can be hard to find. Uh, you have to look at licking branches to be able to find those older scrapes. But uh, I, I look for spots like that and try to line them up with whatever time I think I'm going to be on it. If you're doing early season hunts, maybe you need to be on a place that's going to have some fields or something on it, but, or, you know, while you're walking, the more that you learn about the woods, if you're learning oak trees, um, there's some trees that drop in December. There's some trees that drop in November and there's some that drop in, you know, August. 
And if you learn these, you know, these woodsmen, just woodsmanship, if you learn this kind of stuff and you draw a hunt, you say, well, this is probably what I'm going to need to pinpoint in on, you know, for this early season hunt, or this is going to be during the rut. You know, I need to pinpoint more on this, or, you know, this is late season. I don't know how this is going to work. So I might need to pinpoint on these trees or maybe just on thickets. So these are all things that you got to keep in mind whenever you're hunting. Uh, hopefully that kind of answers your question. Yeah. I mean, the way I do it is I tend to focus in on, uh, I don't do the whole like seven, eight, nine year weights. That's not my, my, my cup of tea. I'm going for like the every other year or the year. Uh, a lot of those can have some really good hidden gems in those. And my approach to this is I, as I, as I actually study a lot of, I'm a swamp guy, swamps draw me in tight. I, I can, I can read swamps. Uh, it just, it makes sense to me. And so over the years, I've been able to get even better, better. At, one of the things I do is I, I watch, I read a lot of maps. I look at, you know, aerial photo uh, photographs and uh, I used to uh, jump from Google earth to Bing to, you know, all these different things to get the different colors. Shout out Spartan forge with their uh, new Lambda maps. You can in many areas scroll through on the UAV uh, layer and see historical. You can, it, uh, there's one place down in South Florida. I'm not going to uh, mention where it is. You can scroll through and there's like 13 different options. And every one of those is taken at a different year at a different time of the year. You can kind of see the foliage, the leaves change colors and you can kind of differentiate types of habitat there. Um, but I, I spent a lot of time uh, studying those maps and then doing long soak trail cameras. I take non-cellular trail cameras. I put them out there in August and I try and capture a whole year's worth of data. And then I go in there and I'm like, when are the deer moving? When are they running? Where are they going? Where are they coming from? What was the food source in that area? And I have this log in my mind so that when I draw it, I have a good idea of what I'm applying for to begin with, which one specifically, but also what I, what I'm getting into in those areas. Right. And the, the places that I hunt primarily um, that I know I'm going to be hunting quite a bit, I'll put more more time and effort into those and less that uh less i draw one of these really good hunts and i for those i, I normally kind of know where to go these are most of those are smaller properties like chase was saying and they're going to have limited opportunity you know and it's easier to break down you know five six you know ten thousand acres than it is to break down something that is three hundred thousand acres mm-hmm. And I find myself struggling a little bit with that because I'm like, oh, there's so many places to go. But uh, you just kind of, the more time you spend on a place, the more that you'll learn about it. And the, you just kind of watch where deer are going to be and what time of year they're going to be there. And I, unlike you, I don't really run cameras. But, uh, and I, I used that last year when I was hunting that, that really good one. What I what I ended up taking, I, I went in there with a hundred hundred inch deer on my mind, but we hunted, you know, three days really hard and I had an opportunity at one, but I didn't feel like it was an ethical shot. So I let him go. And, you know, it was it was that was my season, you know, that was I had a you know, a few other opportunities, but that was my season. And, you know, my family, we love to eat deer. You know, you talk to my daughter, she's you say deer and she's like, daddy, deer food. So <laughs> we're eating deer, you know, and I ended up taking a five point on the last day and it, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't the big, you know, 110 inch eight point that I was looking for and had, you know, on, on my one trail camera, but you know, it was a deer that we were taking out of there because we were on a three day hunt and we're 
probably won't get to hunt that one for a while, you know, unless we get really lucky and win the lottery again. So that, that, Chase is shaking his head. <laughs> well, that's something I keep. You know, I, I'm trying to be honest. I may not get on this. Yeah. I, I may not get on this property again. So, to, to be truthful, like I'm here to I'm here to harvest deer. You know, yeah. it, and you can wait. You can wait on that big bucker if you want. But I'm here to harvest deer, and I only have a limited amount of time. Now, on another piece that I hunt all the time, you know, that five point might get a ride because I have more time to hunt. <laughs> Yeah. but and, and i had let that deer go by a couple of times but you know on that last day we're here to eat deer you know at the end of the day that's what <laughs> that's what my family's about so <laughs> and i'm a little more you know a little more friendly on letting them go whenever i have more time to be able to hunt them and i know you know the best part of my season's ahead of me i don't yeah. think i have ever passed a legal buck in this state <laughs> and, 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 and most people should and i'm just gonna be real not all of us are, are chase really this is we were just talking earlier today on the on marco polo just you got to embrace the suck in this state and there's many a times i walked out of the swamp and fighting limbs and swatting swatting mosquitoes and i wanted to move somewhere where there's bigger deer and they were easier to get to but uh you know that's part of florida that's you know the beauty of the state that we hunt and when you take one here, if it's a, you know, a, a small buck or if it's a big one, you know, it's, it's a, something that you earned in this state. You don't leave out of Florida and harvest a deer and feel like you didn't earn it. Absolutely. No, for sure. I, Mike, Mike said you had to have a Florida man said you had to have a, a passion for hunting if you want to get, you know, get deer here. And I think I said that you have to have a passion for suffering if you want to, you know, be successful here because it, it just, it is what it is. It's going to suck. It's going to be hot. There's going to be 9,000 different things that are trying to bite, scratch, claw, kill, or maim you, you know, it is, it is what it is. And even the plants aren't, aren't, are hostile as hell. Everything's got thorns. Everything makes you itch. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's, but at the same time, it's so freaking cool because you can chase the rut, you know, throughout the state, you get these, these, these rare opportunities, you know, in Georgia, you don't draw your quota. You're like, well, you shit out of luck. You know, it is what it is. You know, there's, there's no coming back from it. So, um, yeah, we're chasing them, man, from August to February, if you want in this yeah. state. And yeah. there's not very many places if you're willing to travel, like there's so much out there for you to do in this state that, and I think is outdoorsmen like you just kind of you just enjoy it. There's I know during bow season, even though I'm out there getting bit by mosquitoes and sweating, man, that that opening weekend I'm, you know, thank God I'm here and I'm deer hunting again, you know, and that's that's just the way that I feel about it. And you know, a couple of weeks into it, you might be cussing them, but that first week <laughs> I, I enjoy it. And I'm, I'm cussing them the whole time, now. man. I'm cussing <laughs> the whole time. I'm not. I'm not built for this heat. You know, David Goggins is like, you gotta, you gotta get up every day and you gotta work out. Me, I just go hunting because it is such a struggle for me with this heat. I hate being hot. My wife, she, <laughs> it, it, I get so grumpy. I get so like you envision somebody getting hangry. That's me when I'm hot. I just, I'm not a good person to be around, but the fact that I am always out there willing to go, man, it's this like mental load that you just kind of, you kind of load up on it. And man, I'll be honest with you when you get it done and you face all those things, I kind of get off on that, man. Like I kind of like, there's a, there's a sense of like, dude, how many people from other States would do this? How many people would just move to Iowa? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> One of my, um, probably my favorite bucks. Like I tell people about 
is a little three point. I, I ended up taking them on the Ocala national forest back when you were able to shoot, you know, spikes five inches or whatever. And, uh, I had crossed a Creek and, you know, waded through a swamp and went about probably three quarters of a mile back into that swamp. And he was one of the first bucks that I was able to take on public land. And I couldn't have been more proud of that deer. Like I come out dragging that thing with a smile <laughs> on my face the whole way, you know? So it's not, it's about the journey. Like we talk about all the time, you know? Absolutely. Absolutely. So one of my favorite things about you in the Patreon group is you do these birthday shout outs and don't fear. I'm not going to put you on the spot, but you do these, <laughs> like you do these rhymes that, that are hysterical. And my hope is that on this year's Patreon, uh Oh, did we lose him? There he is. He's back. Yeah. My uh, battery's just getting a little low. I had to get it back on. <laughs> uh, this year's Patreon hunt. I'm hoping that you can help us with a new intro. I've teased this idea with you. We're going to bring the recording equipment. And if you're still interested, I want to do that intro with you because uh, it, it'll be the most Florida uh, intro ever, I think. Yeah, I love it, man. It's always fun. <laughs> like just to, Man, I like to make people feel special. And, uh, you know, like Craig and him putting us on that place, that's kind of where the whole thing started. But uh, he, he, you know, he did something special for the group and he shared something with everybody. And uh, I just wanted to make them feel special. So, and that was just a way to man, make them laugh and make them feel good. So, uh, I just love doing it. It was fun to do. And you know, hopefully, we can come up with some more rhymes for everybody else. <laughs> so, most people I ask them, I ask them, like, you know, what's your most, you know, what's the one thing you wish you had, uh, what's the one thing you wish you knew? You know, the, the drill, the questions I ask people. I'm going to ask you two, two closing questions. Chase, unless you've got something, these are my going to be my two closers. Uh, no, I'm good. Uh, okay. Covered a lot of stuff. Uh, only one little thing that I wanted to kind of mention was when we were talking about like the reissues and how do you pick somewhere for a three or four day hunt and somewhere you hadn't been or whatnot is that my tactic is I look at it and I go, okay, where's everybody going to be? Mm -hmm. And then I, that's the, I go focus on those other areas, hardcore, because you can, uh, a lot of these areas you can go look and be like, okay, this is where everybody's going to probably be at. And I'm going to, I'm going to kind of focus on these areas to be able to kind of dial in a little bit more. Right on. But well, what's the question as far as, Oh, I got two for you. If you want to go into like how I break something down, uh, I, oh, no, really no, I don't want to go into I was just, that was just an add on. Little chase anecdote. Okay. Here's, okay. here's my two questions for you, buddy. My first is, What's it like scouting for deer with Pat? Oh man, me and Pat, man, we <laughs> talked the entire time. It is, I, I, I love it, man. It's so it's it's fun to take guys that that are you know learning and and to be able to shorten that curve for them. And man, Pat is just a blast to be around. Uh, I'm really glad that I joined the group to be able to part, meet people like Pat and be be a part of that and you know we got a little fishing trip planned here soon um so whenever we can get together i always enjoy he's he's a he's a lot of fun to be around pat, pat always tells everybody that you're entirely too wholesome 
to, he's like, he's, he's so nice. And he, he said, I, you were walking through the swamp and he fell and like, just completely ate it. <laughs> and he's like, anybody else would have been like, ha ha, you idiot. You turned around with like genuine concern. Like, Oh my God, are you okay? You know? And, he, and he's like, I didn't know how to handle this, you know? So, uh, but I, I feel like he's kind of discrediting himself because he also showed up to last year's Patreon hunt with a hand, a hand cut board from, from a, pi- a long leaf pine tree that he had put in cursive he burned in cursive my son's name in it so he's plenty wholesome himself i just don't think uh i don't think he's used to it um let me tell you about pat like what pat needs is confidence um (laughs) once he once he gets that harvest and he starts to get on a few deer pat is doing the right things to be able to take deer um it's just gonna it's gonna take that you know initial you know getting that first buck and you know Mm -hmm. putting maybe a couple more under his belt but pat's doing the right things and he's he's pushing himself to be a good hunter and it'll happen it's coming i'm hoping Pat Pat killing a lot of deer soon i hope so because he made a comment today that almost broke my heart he's like i i could see myself giving up public land hunting the next couple years and just going back to fishing i'm like oh man don't do that pat like when you're at that point you're probably pretty freaking close to like break it through like that's the that's the struggle point you know last year on the patreon hunt Pat put put Ben on that buck, so y'all don't let Pat fool you. You know, Pat picked all those spots out on East Scouting, and I went the first time I went scouting with him. Man, he picked out a man a stud was down in there, and I'm yeah. talking like rubs on the the size of your legs on the place that we went in there, and Pat picked it out on a map just randomly. You know, just looking at it, listening to like we what we were talking about just listening to podcast and you know just expanding on his knowledge is how he did it so don't let pat fool you he's that's just good. that's he's just good. like a florida gator to go and shoot that pat's buck like that man all right so here's my final question i want to know what is your most embarrassing deer hunting story No, I was thinking about this the other day, and now, now you ask me, I'm kind of drawing a blank. Um, no pressure. I would say probably the worst thing, man, is just having so many years of experience and still being just a dumb hunter, you know, and walking <laughs> in and just doing stupid stuff like, uh, man climbing up in your tree stand like you you clanked your tree stand all the way down in there and climbing up there and just dropping stuff out of it uh I, a couple, few years ago i had a really nice buck uh get up in front of me in a in a longleaf pine flat and right before he got up i had dropped my thermosel and it must have hit every rung on the way down on the tree stand <laughs> and like I just sat there and watched this buck, you know, a huge buck and something I've been wanting to kill, you know, for a long time and get up and just walk <laughs> off. So I would say, you know, it would probably have to be something like that. It's just terrible. Like somewhere in there, I, like I said, I'm kind of drawing a blank, but I have made some really dumb mistakes. And if, if I could go back and do it, like I would just be more serious about hunting, you know, as a whole, because whenever I did that, that's where I made the biggest jump in, and over the last few years and even though like i was still taking deer every now and again most of that stuff was luck because i did it all man all the stupid stuff to be honest 
I love the honesty of that answer. Well, dude, I appreciate you taking time out of your evening. We have gone significantly longer than I expected on this, but I think the entire episode was absolute gold in that regard. Like I just, I feel like we covered a lot of really good stuff and I'm eager to see what FWC says because when they follow, follow back up, let's three, get back on the podcast. Let's discuss what they talk about. Let's kind of compare some notes. Um, and I'm not going to let up. I'm going to, I'm going to apply the pressure until they respond. I, I want to know, I want, I want to get some answers here because technically all of that's public information. You know, it's all, it's all, it's all information that we should have access to. Um, We'll see what, pro- what that process looks like, but we, we will figure it out, dude. I appreciate you taking time out your evening. Uh, I hope your bump board gets here soon. You can start measuring some fish. That would be awesome, man. I- I'd love to see Marion County. You know, you guys, you talk the most smack, you catch the most fish, and you break the most rules. So uh, we're, 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 <laughs> we're glad, glad to have you in the group, man. That's just a culture thing, but man, I was really, you know, I'm really happy to be on here and thanks for inviting me on and uh, hopefully we can help some people get out there and shoot some deer, man. That's it, man. That's it. Well, guys, if you enjoy this episode, consider following the podcast, sharing the podcast, leave us a rating review. And uh, if you want access to the Patreon hunt that will be happening in three months, we're right at, I think that we're just under the three month mark. Uh, Consider joining Patreon. Yeah. Middle of September? Four months. Four, June, July, August. Yeah, okay. okay. I'm going to count it. I don't know anything. I can't count. <laughs> Anyways, uh, consider joining Patreon. It comes with free gear. comes with the perks of being in the polo group and our Discord group, our digital deer camp. We would love to have you over there. But most importantly, no matter what you do, get outside and enjoy the great outdoors. Join Captain Justin Leake and Meredith McCord for the best fishing action along Panama City Beach. Tune in to Chasing the Sun every Sunday at 9.30 a.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV. One of the most legendary shows in the outdoors is on Waypoint TV. Don't miss Primo's Truth About Hunting, Wednesday nights at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment.